and say it's so good to have so many people here, friends of mine, family of mine, amen, uh, very, very good friends of mine that are back here, a little over halfway back from Inspiration, David, thank you for bringing all of our crew here today, and I have at least two of these guys, Stephen and Nate, that are planning at the end of our service today to be baptized in Jesus' name, amen, there's nothing like there is nothing like the resurrection power of Jesus, and we can experience that today and walk out of here in new life. Amen. And so, if God's working on you today, and He's calling you, amen, this, these baptism waters are open. Amen. Don't feel like you had to come in here plans. If God is drawing you today, amen, let's respond to that. We're going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 16, and we're going to begin in verse number one, it says that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? They had an expectation that they had seen that stone rolled into place. They knew that it would be there when they arrived. And being three women coming to that large stone that would be in front of the door, they wondered, who among us will roll away the stone? When they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. For it was very great. And they entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. He said to them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Look at the place where they laid him. He is not here. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and they fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and they were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man for they were afraid. Amen. If you want to just put your Bibles down and just lift up your hands one more time. We're just going to ask the Lord just to speak to our hearts today. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, God, for the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that you would just touch each and every one of us who are gathered in this house, Lord, that we could receive it, Lord, and that we could be changed, God, both in our hearts and our minds, our actions, Lord, and respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You could be seated here today. It was in the darkness on that third day after their teacher's execution that these three women went and they checked one last time to uh, make sure that they had everything that they needed. Jesus had not been given a proper burial. It was that time that was of the Sabbath, and so they were not able to go and to properly prepare the body of Jesus, and so these women come and they're making sure that they have all the spices, that they have everything 
that would be needed in order to go and to prepare his body for that death that it's, he should have uh, had when he was laid in that grave. These women, they come and they're on their way to the tomb that day, that early morning hours, still dark outside as they're making that trek from that room in that house where all of the disciples had gathered. This place where they were at, hiding away just in fear of the fact that perhaps somebody who crucified Jesus will now be coming after them. And so they make their way to the tomb that day and have this conversation about what are we going to do when we get there. We want to go in and prepare the body of Jesus, but we know that there is a large stone that is there in front of the tomb. And they go, and when they arrive at the tomb, it says that they looked that day. Now, the original Greek word here that was used is a word, anablepo, which means to look again. They did a double take. They didn't just look once, but they blinked their eyes a little bit. They were doing a little double take on the situation that is unfolded in front of them. These, these, uh, this, this expectation of coming to the tomb and seeing that that. A stone rolled in front of that grave and arriving here now and seeing that the, that the stone had been moved and that they had entrance into that tomb, these women began to look around and look and say, Do you, are we seeing this right? Are we seeing this situation rightly? And so they go and with this double take, they finally gather their composure and they step into this tomb and you got to understand that here we're reading this story in the book of Mark. He's the one who, who tells the story of these three women coming to, to prepare the body of Jesus. But it's in Mark's gospel that we see him use this double take more than once. He uses, he's the one who tells us uh, two, two times in the ministry of Jesus where he would go and he would heal the blind men. In both times that Jesus would heal these blind men, it uses the same words, anablepo, that they were to look again. And they opened their eyes and they did a bit of a double take because they are looking at something that it was impossible for them just moments ago. But all of a sudden, Jesus showed up on the scene and now they're able to open their eyes and they're able to see that the impossible became possible. That there are certain things, certain obstacles in our life that when we come up against them, we just expect them to go a certain way. There are hopeless situations that we come up to that by their very nature, they, are, they, they uh, breed in us hopelessness. They, we come up against them and we feel like there is a roadblock at every turn. But then, all of a sudden, Jesus can show up in the middle of a hopeless situation. And He can bring hope where there was hopelessness. He can bring hope where there was an obstacle that was in the way. For these women, the situation was dire. For these women, the situation was hopeless. Jesus had died. The one who they had put all of their hope in, all of their faith, all of their trust, He had been put to death. Now, they're coming and they're just wanting to do what 
uh, what they think is necessary. But again, it's, it's a hopeless situation coming here. There's no way that any of them would be able to remove that stone. But yet, they came and they began to look again at the situation as it was. And Jesus had already rolled the stone away. He had already moved the obstacle that was there. You see, the story of Easter tells us that God offers the ultimate leverage to move obstacles out of our way. He has the ultimate leverage. He has the ability to do the impossible. He has the ability to to begin to, to remove things that are in front of us that make life seem hopeless. But if you rely on your own might, your own abilities, your own wisdom, then the stone in front of you, it's going to remain there. If you rely on your own abilities, then that very obstacle that is there, it will not be moved. But when you turn to Jesus Christ, when you turn to God, the insurmountable obstacle that is there in front of you, it has the ability to be rolled away. It has the ability to not, uh, has the ability to vanish. See, here as we're reading through the gospel we see the Bible continue uh, to, to, to show us Jesus doing the miraculous one time after another in his life. He does the miraculous. He, he performs miracles. And, and during his ministry, we see countless miracles that are performed. And it even tells us that if, the, if we had all the books in the world, uh, it could not record all of the things that Jesus really did. This book really only contains a short summary of what Jesus did while he was here on earth. This book really contains just a few little things, glimpses into the majesty and the glory of what Jesus was able to do. And Jesus is able to step in to a hopeless situation. Jesus is able to step in when it looks like the odds are insurmountable. And he can provide the impossible. You see, for the from the women that day, they came to that tomb and they are wondering, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, look again. Look again. I've already done it. Step into the tomb. In fact, when they stepped into the tomb, they come in and they see this man sitting there. This is an angel. We, we would come to find out. But this angel is sitting there inside the tomb. And this angel, he says, you've come in. You've looked. You surveyed the, uh, you know, what's going on inside of here but I want you to look again at what you see and we see the same thing happen when Peter and John when they hear the news that Jesus's body was gone they come and they run to the tomb and these two disciples they running to the tomb um, finds uh, find this tomb to be empty and they look in and what a sad sight that might be thinking for themselves thinking Somebody came and stole the body of Jesus. What a hopeless thing. Somebody came and they, they took Jesus. Who would do this? Who would steal the body of this man, this great man who did nothing wrong? He was put to death. We saw him be put to death. We saw him laid in that grave. Who would come and take him? And then they began to look again. And they began to see signs of hope all around them. What looked like a hopeless situation three days ago 
in what looked like a hopeless situation while they're there in the house gathered, uh, frightened because somebody might come after them. And what looked like a hopeless situation when they were running to that tomb thinking that somebody had stolen the body of Jesus. They began to look around and look again into that tomb and they saw there's some signs of hope here. There's some signs of hope that we didn't see the first time when we entered in. And it tells us that as they looked around, as Peter and John began to look around inside this tomb, that they noticed that there were the grave clothes that were still inside that tomb. The grave clothes were laid there. And it says that the grave clothes, they, they hadn't been ripped off. They hadn't been torn off of his body in some form or fashion. And no, it, instead they were, they were laid there neatly. And in fact, the napkin or the, the face covering that was there, it had been folded neatly and set off to the side. Now, for them, this speaks of hope. For them, these are signs of hope as they began to look again at their situation. As they began to look again at this hopeless situation that had unfolded for them for the past three days. All of a sudden they're seeing signs of hope step in. They're seeing this napkin laying there folded the grave clothes that had been removed. And they're laying there in that tomb and now there's hope. And what kind of a grave robber would come in and steal the body of Jesus but leave behind his grave clothes? What kind of a, of a thief would come in and leave behind the, the linen cloths that were wrapped, wrapping the body of Jesus? No grave robber would come and do that. There has to be something else that happens. And all of a sudden, they see the napkin that's laying there. Now, there's, uh, there was a Jewish custom of that day or a custom uh, during that time where uh, when you were sitting at a table, if you had uh, finished eating, you would take your napkin, and we still kind of do this today sometimes, perhaps you do. You take your napkin and you crumple it up and you leave it there, and it's a sign that I'm finished eating. But if you need to excuse yourself from the table for some reason, and you need to get up and you don't want the, the, the server to come by or the host to come by and to clear your plate, you would neatly fold your napkin and you would set it there. It was a sign that I am returning. I'm coming back. To where I was. Don't lead, don't, don't take this. I am coming back. And when they saw that napkin lying there, there's some sign there that was pointing to the fact that Jesus, he didn't go, he didn't leave for long, that Jesus is coming back, that Jesus is returning, that Jesus, he didn't leave you here in a hopeless situation, but no, no, you you stick around because I'm coming back. Their hopeless situation began to turn. It was the end. It was the end of World War II. There was a, a the Soviet soldiers began advancing through Poland. And uh, as they did this, they came face to face with these emaciated prisoners who had been held captive at these, these camps that were uh, set up there by Adolf Hitler. And this one concentration camp, the largest one, uh, Auschwitz, it's, it had a survivor, this man, this Polish Jew. His name was Mayor Hirsch. Mayor Hirsch, he began to describe, he was one of the survivors, as I said, of this, of this uh, Holocaust. And he began to describe his situation. And he, was, he said that when he arrived, he was told, just as everyone who had come into that camp, that no one survives here. No one survives 
Zinmer, he described it this way. He said that Auschwitz was the most terrible of all of the camps imaginable, that there was always brutality and starvation and execution. He had been to several concentration camps. He said, in one of the camps, I saw 50 of my friends who were executed at one time. That I was in total despair. However, I did not want to give up. He said, I came from a religious home. We believe that life is precious, that it's given by God, and that only God can take life away. He said, if there is only a spark of hope left in you, then you have to cling to it. A person can survive for a few days without eating, but he cannot survive without hope for more than a minute. He said, he said this, it was hope that kept me alive. I don't know what your situation is here today as you gather into this, this uh, congregation, you come in here. Perhaps today you are here and you feel like you have been bound with no hope for freedom from your bondage. Perhaps you have felt like there are obstacles that are standing in your way which cannot be moved. I just want to tell you if that is the case today, then you, would you look again? Would you take another look at your situation. There are still some signs of hope around you. In fact, if you were to turn your head around this place, you could see signs of hope that are sitting in the pews next to you. You could see signs of hope of people who have been in similar situations, who have been in situations that maybe it's not exactly like yours, but they've gone through a, a tough time themselves, and God has been there for them. That God has made a way. We see the testimonies that are sp uh, sprinkled throughout this place. Or rather they are splattered throughout this place. Because God is a God of hope. God is a God of hope. And we can come in with a hopeless situation. We, come, we can come in where things, they look bleak. And for the disciples during that day, they were looking at a very bleak situation. Jesus had been put to death. Jesus had been laid in the tomb. He was there, dead for three days. But all of a sudden, they looked again, and they saw the signs of hope. See, for us today, I look to heaven, and I see heaven is my hope. Heaven is the hope that I can hold on to so dearly. It is a place that would be so different from this life. There, were come, there was coming a day where the, where the eastern skies are going to be split. And Jesus is going to come back. And we have a hope eternal. We have a hope that we can cling to. That even if it's just, even if it's just that that you are holding on to, there is hope that Jesus is returning. There is hope that Jesus is coming back. The napkin was laid there neatly upon that, uh, upon that place. And he's saying, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for my people. I'm coming back for you someday. And if that's the hope that you hold on to today, hold on. Hold on with that hope. See, Paul said, if it's in this life only that we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. If the only thing that you have hope for is what's happening here in this life, we're of all men most miserable. This life, I want to have a good life. I want God to step into my situations, my hardships, and, and, I, and, I, and I know that God, uh, he, he will do that because He's done it before. But my hope is not only in this life. My hope reaches beyond 
this earth. My hope reaches beyond my present reality. My hope reaches into another world that is beyond where I am living right now. See, a lack of hope is dismal. It's desperate. It's destructive. It's a destructive place to be when you have no hope. It's a condition where you find yourself without God. Because without God, we have no hope. Hopelessness is the majority position of too many people in this world. They've decided that life has no value because they feel like they have no options. In Ephesians, it tells us, Ephesians 2.12, it says that at the time that you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, You had no hope. You see, this is the correlation. No God. No hope. Verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, who you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So without God, you have no hope. But with God, you have all the hope that you need. With God, He can step into your situation. With God, He will give you hope. It doesn't matter how far off you are. It doesn't matter how far away you feel that you've strayed. If you would turn towards Jesus, you have hope because Jesus will turn towards you. See, the function of hope is what it provides, or is the fact that it provides options, it provides an understanding. That one has the ability to make choices. That's the function of hope in our lives. To be without choices is tragic. The definition of hopelessness is when you feel like you have no other option. You're hopeless. It's our choices that shape who we are. That determine our destiny. We have hope to choose a different future. Hope to choose in fact, uh, a preferred future. It's a future with hope. It's a future with purpose. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ produced hope by creating choices where, no, where before there was no choice. Where before the only, the only thing was that sin leads to death. But he became sin so that we might have salvation from sin. He became sin so that we could have the choice to have our sins remitted. So that we could come to him and have everything in our past forgiven. He became sin so that he could die on a cross and that our sins might be remitted. He gave us hope today. He set us free from our past. He set us free from the bondage of our, of our past. He set us free from all of that. He gave us and he instilled in us hope. See, with God, things change. With God, mountains move. With God, I have an option. I have a choice. I don't have to stay in bondage. I don't have to stay in my addiction. I have another option. God has another purpose. I don't have to stay where I was with no future. No, I have a future. It's in Christ Jesus. That is the function of hope today. It provides options where there was no option before. Now God's not going to come in and make you serve Him. 
But he says, here I am. It's an open door. And if you want it, come and knock and I'll open the door. I'll give you an option that you will not regret one second of. I will begin to, to give you hope. I will begin to remove some obstacles out of your way that seems like they were making your life a hopeless mess. I will give you hope and a future. See, access is an essential element of hope. The ability to choose is based on this understanding of access. The cross, it gives us a beautiful gift of hope that there is life beyond this grave. That you have access to something that you did not have access to before. See, heaven is real. Hell is real. We have access to come up to the cross. Come on, to come up to those gates when we are standing before Jesus one day. And he's going to ask us that question. What have you done? And he will grant to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he will open those gates wide. And he will invite you into a place that is heaven where the streets are paved with gold. We're the place where there is no sorrow, where there is no shame. He's going to open up the doors to heaven, and he's going to say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Come on, there's hope for a day. There's hope for access where we did not have access before. There's hope for access that the cross provided for us, that Jesus provided for us when he rose up out of that grave. See, today, we are the church. This is the place, the church is the place where hope is restored. This is the place where hope is renewed. This is the place where options exist. See, I, I don't come to church just because it's a social gathering. I come to church not because it is what I'm supposed to do. I come to church not because it's just tradition. But I come to church because something happens and something changes in the atmosphere. Something happens. Hope springs eternal in this place. I have hope when I step into this place. I have hope when I enter in. or I may enter in with no hope, but when I leave this place, I leave with hope in my breath. I leave hope with hope in my view. I have hope that my family is going to be saved. I have hope that my body is going to be healed. I have hope that my addiction is going to be broken. I have hope that my mind is going to be made whole. I have hope that my fear is going to leave. I have hope, I have hope, I have hope when I step in to the place where Jesus is at all of a sudden the options open up and he says I give you hope where you had no hope it may look hopeless right now but look around because I have signs of hope all around you there are signs of hope well just look around at the church today and you'll see there's signs of hope that God has delivered that God has set free that God is able to step in to a hopeless situation and to breathe through life into us see my hope is not just wishful thinking it's not based on a message of a fortune cookie. My, my hope is not, is not just a function of just what somebody tells me in some book. 
No, my hope is rooted in the God of all heavens. My hope is rooted in the one who came down from heaven to earth to die for my sins. My hope is rooted in he who is able to do all things exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. He is able to do it. That is where my hope is resting today. Hmm. It's not an empty hope. It's not an empty hope. My hope, it, it maketh not a shame. My hope, it does not disappoint. See, Paul, he writes to the Romans, he says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems of trials. For we know that they help us develop some things. They help us develop endurance. And that endurance develops strength of character. And that character strengthens our confident hope in this salvation. And this hope will not lead into disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. For He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. This hope does not disappoint. It's not to say that the obstacles won't come. It's not to say that you will not have situations that will come up and it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It's not a hope that the world gave me. And so the world can't take it away. The hope that I have is from Jesus Christ. It's based on his love. It's based on the fact that he died for me and his love, it never fails. So look again today. Look again. There's hope. There's hope. You can put your hope in him. The psalmist, he tells us, it's, it's in Psalm chapter 71. He says, oh Lord. You alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O oh Lord, for my childhood. Don't put your hope in anybody else. I don't put my hope anywhere else. My hope is in you alone. You're the one that's going to get me out of my messy situation. You're the one who is going to step in when I can't count on anybody else, God. You are my hope. You are my hope alone. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the source of hope today. It's the will of God to fill you completely today with His joy and with His peace. See, when you trust in Him, you can have a, a confident hope because of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See, God, today He has come to restore hope. We're coming to a close here soon, but God, He wants to come and restore hope in your life. He's come to speak hope into somebody's situation. He's come to tell somebody, well, you came into this service hopeless. You came thinking that there was no other option, that there was no other way, that He's come to tell you that there is a way. God is the way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Put your hope in Jesus Christ today. Put your hope in Him. He will see you through your struggle. See, God has come to restore your hope today. In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us in verse 22, that we should go right into the presence of God. 
And that's where we are today. We are right here in the midst of the very presence of God. It says, with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. What a beautiful depiction of what Christ's blood does for us. Our guilty conscience. We beat ourselves up over all these things, past failures, mistakes. But he says, your guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood. Your guilty conscience, it can be covered by the fact that he died on a cross. He says that our bodies, they have been washed with pure water. So let us hold tightly without wavering. Read the scripture. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. Hold tightly to that hope. Because God can be trusted to keep His promise. God can be trusted that no matter what you're going through right now, would you turn your eyes to Jesus? Would you take your situations, would you take your faults and your failures, the things that we beat ourselves up over, the things that maybe somebody else did to you and you feel like you are worthless, you feel like there's no sense in going on. The things that maybe it's, it's even pointing to God and saying, God, why, why was this taken away from me? Or why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Would you just turn your eyes back to Him, turn your thoughts back to Him and say, God, I put my hope in You. God, I put my trust in You. I may not understand why I have, have, I've had to go through this situation or had to go through these last couple of years that I've gone through. But today... God, I want to put my hope back in you. God, I don't know why you led me down the path that I went down. But today, I put my hope in you. See, the word hope is all about the anticipation of something that will happen. It hasn't happened yet, but we have hope that it will come to pass. God's promise, it may not have been fulfilled yet. But his promises are sure, and I know that God is going to come through. If we could stand all over this place, we're going to prepare for some baptisms here in just a moment. But I want to invite you all around this place, if you want to lift up your hands. If that's you today, if God's speaking some hope into your life. If you have some situations that you've brought into this, this, this place today, and you feel like it's hopeless. You feel like you're coming to the tomb, and it's like, what are we going to do? I want you to look again at the situation. I want you to look again at Jesus. I want you to assess him again. You, you may have known him before. You may have, you may have known him, come on, as, as, as the God of Scripture. You may have known him as the one who walked on water, or the one who did all that back then. But would you just look again at your current situation and realize that Jesus is still doing it today? That Jesus still wants to step in right now. He wants to step into your life right now and to begin to, to breathe hope into your situation. He wants to breathe hope into your life. He wants to breathe hope into you right now. Amen. If you want to come up and make your way to an altar, I want to invite you. You can come up to this altar. We're going to prepare for these baptisms and sing this song. But would you just lift your hands and praise Him? Come by in this place. 
Empty. 